Hello and welcome back to the Replatform podcast. Uh, it's James, as always, and I'm joined by my co-host, Paul. Mr. Rogers, how are you doing, mate? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? How's your holiday? Um, well, I'm kind of still in it. I'm in a remote cottage in Lincolnshire with very crap Wi-Fi, so I'm going to be interested to see whether I, I sound like a robot, well, more of a robot than usual, to be honest. How about yourself, mate? You were a bit more exotic. You went into Europe, mate, and explored. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, good to have like a bit of a break. I managed to beat the quarantine, um, so yeah, I'm happy. And uh, yeah, quite, quite glad to be back at work. Actually, to be fair, I was pretty bored by the end of it. I'm not really a beach guy. A word. There are those words. I'm glad to be back at work. I got bored on holiday. Not words you'll ever hear coming from my mouth, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's good to look forward to coming back to work. But we've got a good episode today. So we have uh, we have a, a, a debonair and sophisticated guest on our program today. Um, Mr. Hendy, Carl Hendy is joining us. Hey, Carl, how are you doing, mate? I'm great, really good. Uh, nice to hear both of you. Haven't seen you for ages. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I was saying to a few others actually, not having the ecom chat like do's. I miss the summer do where everyone kind of gets together and uh, and drinks beer and talks nonsense for an evening. So uh, hopefully, at some point in the near future, we can all meet up and do that again. Yeah, that, yeah, that'd be great. But yeah, appreciate you coming on uh, the the uh, podcast, mate. Um, as someone who's got a, a lot of um, experience and a great reputation in the uh, in the industry, I guess primarily around SEO, but wider digital marketing, um, we're going to chuck an exciting topic at you today, which is going to be SEO for large e-commerce site migrations. Because I know you've worked on a lot of big brands and big projects. Um, but before we start draining your brain, do you want to give everyone um, an intro, like? about who you are and what you do um because i know that you co-founded a digital marketing agency redico so let's let's tell people a bit more about you sure yeah so yeah i'm one of the co-owners of uh, an seo agency called redico we solve kind of very large complex seo issues usually the kind of issues that your last agency couldn't solve um because we often end up picking up kind of i guess failed migrations which is why we're kind of talking about them today. Um, we work with a number of everyday brands to increase organic acquisition and revenue. Um, you know, some of our clients are you know, BlackRock, Direct Line Group and Groupon. Um, additionally, we invest heavily into our own technology. So we've got uh, a great bunch of developers where we're building a lot of our in-house tools. Um, so we're kind of less reliant on third party tools and third party data. Um, and we'll kind of be releasing some of that uh, knowledge and examples from our tools into the industry at some point. Fantastic. Sounds like a very sensible move to get your own uh, IP and your own toolkit rather than dependent on others, third parties. Interesting. So watch this space. I look forward to hearing more. Um, so, yeah, we're going to draw on your experience of having worked with loads of um, large sites and the, the trials and tribulations of site migration work. So. I guess starting off, the first question I've got, and it's a nice chunky one to get into, is is site migration for a, a big catalog website? And so we're talking an e-commerce website with hundreds of thousands, if not potentially millions of URLs, of which a huge number of them are you know, product catalog based. Is migrating a, a big site with that many URLs fundamentally different to you know, an SME site or smaller websites? Does it present any unique challenges at that scale? I would say the process that you go through is quite similar from a large site to a small site. Um, the kind of actions that you would take and the output from an SEO perspective would be quite similar. However, what tends to happen is the bigger the website, the longer it's been online in its current format, the bigger the issues it will have. The bigger the website, generally there's more stakeholders, uh, which means more problems. The bigger the development team or bigger the website, the more developers um, and the more kind of types of developers will have to go through to get changes made. So that creates another whole set of issues. Uh, the bigger the platform, the bigger the e-commerce platform, uh, whether that, you know, it's cloud-based or uh, it's a kind of custom e-commerce platform, the bigger they are, the greater the issues. And generally, that, that's kind of the way it is. The process is the same, but the bigger the site, the bigger the issues, the longer it takes to migrate. Um, and if you have a, a website with millions of URLs within the Google index of kind of, you know, your category pages have been sitting there for years in the same location, when you move them to a new location, 
that can take Google quite a long time to play catch up. So, and it takes them a longer time to crawl and a longer time to reflect those changes that they see within the index. And you talked, you touched about the big that team. And um, so, so there you've talked about kind of the process being similar. And what does the process look like? Like what are some of the key stages for like a really big, large migration that you would follow going into a project like that? Well, it really, it will, it, if the site is a, you kind of have different types of migration. So you have a domain name or brand migration. You could have a platform migration um, from an old e-commerce platform to a new e-commerce platform. You could have both or, or a migration could be simply changing the structure of the existing website within the same domain name on uh, the same platform. Normally, the way that we start this process would be asking a lot of questions, a lot of discovery questions. Um, and the first question I always ask anyone that we're talking to about migrations is why, why are they migrating? And that's more of a, not necessarily an SEO question, but it's to, it gives me a, quite a quick insight into like the current challenges and the issues and the bugbears that they have around their current platform. And this discovery phase um, allows us to find out what types of platforms they might be looking at or scoping out, um, what they might be expecting from a new SEO, uh, from a new platform, from an SEO perspective, because what tends to happen is people get sold these e-commerce platforms and despite all of the claims and the marketing, marketing material around e-commerce platforms, a lot of them are pretty terrible from an SEO perspective, whether that's a small e-commerce platform or a large cloud-based platform. Um, part of the process involves us speaking to stakeholders to find out how their roles will overlap with SEO because what tends to happen is when we get brought in, a large proportion of the stakeholders that would impact the performance of a migration have no idea that a migration is even being discussed about. So we try and, um, during the discovery phase, we try and speak to stakeholders, whether that's product teams, social teams, and more importantly, we spend a lot of time with developers because every SEO knows that if you do not have the developers on your side, during a migration, you will not have a successful migration. Um, it just won't happen. So we, rather than getting to a point where someone brings us in, we spend time with the developers and say, look, maybe in six months, 12 months time, this is gonna happen. These are the kinds of things that you might be getting from the RSEO agency so that you're kind of given the heads up and it's not kind of like a, terms out of the blue um, because you know if the if the developers see your list and they kind of just disregard it then again the age uh, the migration will fail and I, I guess it's not really like a normal SEO process that you would go through early on in the initial phase it's more of a kind of fact finding it's discovery it's um, setting expectations early on it's finding out more about the business as opposed to just jumping straight in at the deep end and running a, a site migration audit. And you touched about the fact there are uh, you know, big projects tend to have bigger teams and more stakeholders and more diverse stakeholders and the developer bit is critical. I've seen this before where developers aren't engaged properly and they can, they can become a real bottleneck, not deliberately, but it's just the reality. What are your, what's your advice to people listening? How do you get development teams on the side? How does an SEO ensure that developers can buy into the SEO process instead of suddenly being given a list of demands where they look at it and go, I'm not doing this? Yeah, it's, it's sowing the seed early about what is coming their way and sitting down with them and explaining to them, here's what a good migration looks like here's what a bad migration looks like and put a monetary value on it. As soon as you put a monetary value on any SEO recommendation, it gets prioritized. Um, and that is very hard to do, but there are lots of case studies. Um, you know, we've, we've gone through a lot of migrations ourselves. So we're kind of aware of how a migration uh, could perform negatively and how that might impact revenue numbers or acquisition numbers. And explaining, you know, taking the time to sit down to them and present to them exactly what is coming their way, how they might deal with it, 
um, talking about challenges that we've seen in the past with migrations and how we overcome them, finding out what kind of restrictions that they have in their current platform. You know, have they had experience in doing migrations before? Because this might be new for them and they, they might actually want to know about the process and understand it. Um, and it, again, it comes down to like planning and communication and being, you know, do, doing the right thing by explaining to someone that this is the work um, coming your way. How can we work together to resolve any or to kind of mitigate any potential issues? Um, so I have another question kind of related to that. So I guess like when I've worked on a lot of re-platforming projects, particularly if I've come in late, um, one of the biggest issues that I've seen with SEO is that there hasn't, and you touched on it there, is that there was that when it comes to actually like kind of in discovery and scoping out the project, um, there's no kind of representative SEO or a kind of anyone representing SEO. Um, and then everything's just left like literally to the end of or UAT or like right at the end of the project. Um, and then everything's kind of then got to be done before launch. Everything's rushed. A lot of things are missed. Um, I guess like, have you seen that and and how do you prevent that from happening is it just a case of bringing in an seo up front or yeah yeah i think the when a brand or a company is kind of already discussing uh the potential of a migration whether it's a domain migration or platform migration they're they're probably better off seeking some independent advice around you know from an SEO perspective, what a migration entails, because, you know, as you mentioned, it, it always gets left to the last minute SEO on a migration, even with the best SEOs in house, all of their work will always be kind of dismissed up until maybe two or three weeks prior to, you know, at best um, prior to the migration. And I think it's having that whoever's going to own that migration, because there should always be a, you know, a project, manager or project lead on the migration that is bringing all of these departments and stakeholders together to kind of uh, ensure all the moving parts are aligned. It's, it's that person that should really foresee SEO as being a potential and could be a very serious uh, negative impact if it goes wrong on the business. So they need to seek advice prior to even really considering their options on a platform. And I guess one of the reasons why it probably, it, it may happen that people do not seek independent advice or you know, expert advice is that a lot of the big e-commerce platforms, um, I'm not gonna name names, but a lot of the big e-commerce platforms, you know, their marketing material is littered with, you know, we are SEO compliant, we are Google friendly, you know, you move to us, your SEO performance increases and all of that is garbage um, and that may kind of kind of uh, cause confusion with anyone that's running these projects because moving moving um, from one platform to another doesn't clear up your SEO issues. If you had prior issues on a platform, prior SEO issues on a platform and you migrated to a new platform, those prior SEO issues are likely to be passed over to new platform and if the new platform also has SEO issues, which it will do, you've then compounded two lots of SEO issues and a whole bunch of history of mixed signals to Google. So um, it can, unless you get someone in early, that you know that's the key really. It's it's planning, and you know I always say to most clients, please allow, please allow at least six to twelve months of planning for, a, in particular for a domain migration or a. Um, a brand change, please allow six to 12 months prior to migration and then allow three to four months post migration for SEO support. That makes sense. Um, bit of a sub question. So you talked a few times about domain migration there, whereas like mostly we're talking about replatforming. Um, with domain migration, so there's been loads of like high profile uh, cases of people moving domains and not allocating any time to planning or even really thinking about SEO and then kind of the site dropping off a cliff and it ended up impacting even like branded traffic. Um, 
what are some of the and i guess i haven't looked at this for a long time or been a part of a, like a major domain migration um for a long time beyond just kind of having to move to subdomains for certain platforms and stuff like that um but i mean what are some of the things that need to be factored in and you know is it still as big a risk as it used to be migrating from one domain to another yeah i'd, I'd say it's a huge risk um in the last 12 months we've picked up uh, about four projects on failed migrations. Um, and they were a combination of uh, different types of migrations. And one of them was also a platform migration, but they're all brand or domain name or merging of websites into one website or merging of country folders or subdomains into one website. And what tends to happen is the, the process for migrating a site from an SEO perspective is quite simple, but because of all the moving parts and the constant deprioritization of SEO, um, you know, a lot of SEO gets missed off. And when you're migrating brand domains, in particular changing domain names, um, you can send a lot of mixed signals to Google very quickly. So if you're, um, and the reason for that is what, to give you an example of what a lot of people do is they will block off the old domain from being able to be crawled. And what they don't realize is they'll say, oh, we don't want to index our old site anymore. So they'll block it off at a robots.txt level and stop Google crawling it. And they'll open up the new site and think, great, you know, the site's here. Um, Google will start crawling the new site. But what needs to happen is Google needs to crawl the old site to be able to also find the new site. And we've seen a lot of instances really recently whereby the robots.txt file on the old site looks fine. But when we've looked at server logs, we can actually see that Google is crawling a alternative version of a, say, a robots.txt file that is blocking the old site. So, you know, you might... In, uh, in Google Search Console, for instance, there is a website migration tool or domain name migration tool that you can use, but Google needs to be able to crawl the old site. And even if you hit, you know, transfer my old site to new site, and Google says, oh, this is great, yep, we're, we're doing it now, it's in process, what we're finding is Google still can't access the old site. And therefore, you might sit there for three or four months and think, great, you know, eventually Google will play catch up. Eventually our brand rankings will come back, but they won't because Google still can't access that old site. Um, and that, that's one of the key issues. It's allowing Google to, trans, to kind of move between the old and the new without any mixed signals. Um, one quick last question on that. Um, if, if it's managed perfectly and where you've done like where you have had time to like plan a domain migration properly have you ever done one where there's been like no change at all there sometimes with google and this is more of a history thing they will keep branded queries in the index still and show the old branded urls and that comes um we know that as seos but that comes down to explaining to the client up front that this is likely to happen so you know no client wants to see their old URLs in the index still, you know, most clients are savvy enough to run a kind of site query and, and the first thing they'll do, they'll be like, oh, why have we still got, you know, half a million old URLs sitting in the index um, when we did the migration four months ago? And it's that education around explaining that, you know, that Google does uh, take history of a website and the, the brand demand into context and for UX and, uh, smooth visitor journey, they may still represent the old URLs in the index um, as long as you know the, the signals are there. So that's one way it's not necessarily gone wrong, but it's around educating the client and setting their expectations early on that um, you need to cover that base. Um, but there have been, there's another interesting one where Google was uh, so this was a multi-domain site. So it was Australia, uh, New Zealand, and Japan, and oh, and Hong Kong as well. And Google had the migration went fine. It was there were fairly small websites, but we noticed that the Australian site was ranking in New Zealand, and the New Zealand site was ranking in Australia. 
and um, you know we spent many weeks trying to work it out usually with like href lang um, so href lang indicates to google what version of what website you want ranking in a particular country that was all correct and it wasn't it was many weeks later and we'd kind of run into a dead end so i emailed someone at google and said can you have a look at this it's not quite right we're not sure what's happening um, that person emailed me back the next day and said it's okay don't worry about it and the next day it was fixed so it's it's clear that those at least someone at google is listening and can address those issues so it's it's having that that patience to that patience and experience to be comfortable with what you've done is correct and then take the next step if needed interesting yeah i think i think i think sometimes having the confidence that what you've done is correct instead of knee-jerk reactions can pay dividends because i've seen it before where people keep changing their mind and as you said before about giving mixed signals that can be even worse um i've got a question for you around redirects so having gone through a lot of site migrations and i'm not an seo expert uh, i don't have the same level of knowledge you guys do but i understand it enough to know the importance of it i'm always intrigued by the fact that there seem to be different approaches to handling redirects so I'd like to pick your brains there. So you're, you've done some big site migrations where you've got hundreds of thousands, potentially up to millions of URLs. What is the approach to this? Like, How would you prioritize? Because unlike a small site where you could do a dump of like a thousand URLs and manually re create redirects if you really wanted to, you can't do that at scale. So what is a sensible approach uh, and how would you pick out what, what you should focus on in terms of getting redirects set up? Yeah, usually this is mostly driven by revenue data or sales data. Um, there'll, there'll be a monetary value to it in terms of prioritization. Um, you, can, you can obviously run, you know, run regex queries, et cetera, to kind of ensure that sections of a site are migrated or types of categories are migrated. And you can simplify the process. If you're, if you're just moving a domain name, for instance, you can, to do a redirect, even on a, you know, a five million page website, that the process is quite straightforward from a, a redirect perspective. Um, I we use a combination of revenue data. We use Google Analytics data, Search Console. Um, we then layer in site crawl data. So um, Sitebulb is really good at allowing you to crawl the website and also pull in Google Analytics data and Search Console data into that crawl data, which helps. Um, it's a really great tool generally just for SEO purposes. Um, we, I'm not really a big fan of it, but we can, sometimes clients are keen to move sections of a site at a time. Um, but what I, I'm happy to do that because if we move a section and it all goes smoothly, then it kind of green lights the rest of the website to be done. However, you don't want to leave an old site and a new site running side by side for any period of time. Um, you kind of want to move that over quickly. Um, another interesting one is that sometimes like SEOs can get really kind of just looking at SEO, SEO data only. Um, and you know, these large department stores, for example, they might be selling product or placement areas on the website, whereby from an SEO perspective, these pages aren't, they don't have any value. They don't maybe don't perform that well, but they're being sold off, you know, a bit of website at a time and they might have significant revenue uh, driver for the business. And that, that often happens in, um, on large department stores. And it's having that, asking those questions outside of SEO, you know, where else is there revenue being generated on this um, website? And how do we ensure that we account for that during the migration? Um, but yeah, it's, it, again, it comes down to putting, putting a monetary value on a, a migration. Um, I prefer personally to do the whole site in one go. If you've got the confidence in the development team. If you've, if you've spent months planning, you've got round the clock support from the dev team. You've, you know, we will we'll come on maybe to talking about how I, uh, we run checks pre and post migration, but 
if you've got that all in place, I prefer to just do it in one go. It's, it's a cleaner, um, cleaner signals to Google and it leaves less, um, less on the table for confusion. How about um, uh, like information architecture? So big catalogs, like you know, huge department stores. You mentioned the likes of Debenhams, um, Houses of Phrase, etc. Where they got so many different departments in there, so many subcategories, list pages, yeah, hundreds of thousands of SKUs. Um, the, the typical advice that's out there, the generic advice is keep your catalog flat, have a lean hierarchy, have products within three clicks from the homepage. Do you believe that that is critical still, or do you think that actually having a sensible um, hierarchy and structure and using good internal linking is better uh, in terms of how you break out a, a catalogue? Yeah, the, the whole free clicks thing from an SEO perspective anyway, it's not really um, a deal breaker anymore. Um, you, you kind of touched on it, having great internal linking, allowing users to you know, have a really good internal search, filtering facets, allowing people to find what they want very quickly is probably more important than it being you know, free, free clicks away. But having a clean, logical catalog and a hierarchy of parent and child relationships is really key for SEO. Um, what you find is with most traditional structures of websites now is that as they get bigger and bigger, the, the issues around um, cannibalization and intent tend to get bigger as well. So um, we've been working with a large uh, fashion brand, a lingerie brand for a while, and it was underperforming when we first, we first took the project on. And what we realized was that a large proportion of the issues were purely down to the structure of the website cannibalizing other areas of the website for core traffic driving terms. So it was, it was from a technical perspective, it was really difficult to get the cloud-based platform to make the changes that we needed. But from a content perspective and actual cost, it was a huge quick, you know, a quick win. And I feel that that's where where most mis mistakes are made on e-commerce platforms now is that they've just become too bloated from a, a structure perspective. And as, as Google hones in on intent and um, understands a page with um, its simplicity in a greater manner, then you know, you're, you're almost making Google's job harder every single time the site grows. So it's kind of like trimming back the fat and making Google's job easier. And I, that's where like, I just feel like e-commerce websites are just underperformed because of their own, their own cannibalization. They're eating their own site, their own traffic. That makes sense. Um, so moving on slightly, tools. So what, um, what tools do you tend to use when you're handling like a big complex uh, platform migration? Um, and how are you using them? Yeah, for, for a large site, there really isn't any tool out there anymore that does, does the trick. Um, there are, like for instance, if we're doing a large migration, we'll use a number of crawlers. So, you know, you've got your site bulb, Screaming Frog, Deep Crawl, and they all have their pros and cons and all have their time and place within a large site migration. And you know, having you have to have a crawler of some description for any large website migration. You need the crawl data for, of the old site. You need the crawl data of the new site. Um, the biggest win, but also the biggest pain in the backside, is getting server logs. Um, they're just essential for site migrations now. Um, they should be essential for any large website SEO. But trying to get uh, server logs out of these large cloud-based e-commerce platforms is really difficult. And we, we spent close to 14 months in getting the last set that we needed. As soon as we got those server logs, we were able to prove to the business exactly what Google is doing on the site. And, that, and that's useful from a migration perspective because you can see what Google's doing on the old site and what Google is doing on the new site. And you can quite quickly see if Google's caught in any uh, bot traps. 
So like uh, any form of filtering, pagination, uh, facets, any parameters that are added to particular URLs. Um, and that, that's critical for a large e-commerce website to know that. I kind of just wish that these cloud-based platforms made it easier for people to get this data. Um, because, you know, even if you're looking at Shopify, you, you can't get that data and, you know, they probably don't want you to have that data because you'll see some of the flaws that exist within that platform. I think uh, I know that I think I know the one you're talking about, and um, I've really struggled with it in the past as well. And I feel like they they consider themselves to be like bulletproof when it comes to SEO. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's kind of strange because you know I've I've personally offered to you know go into these large platforms and discuss and you know you know we've got a few clients on one platform and it kind of explains to them what we're trying to do but i they're just not just not interested i think the danger is when you think you're bulletproof that's when you know you definitely aren't because nothing's 100 percent perfect is it yeah. um there can always be improved i know every you know having worked oh, we've all worked with different platforms no single platform is perfect in all of the areas and each brings its own challenges yeah. half, half the fun that's yeah, what creates a need for experts in the business uh yeah and there's kind of like, you, you know, there are free tools that you can use. So if you've, you know, you've got a fairly small site, search, Google Search Console is great and can help. Uh, it can help show index pages. It can help with fetching and rendering a page to see if Google's crawling it correctly. You can test your robots.txt file to make sure there's no blockers in there. I mentioned it earlier, but there's a domain name migration tool in Google Search Console that can help potentially speed up the process if, if there are clean signals there. Um, and I guess a couple of others that we use internally, um, I mentioned at the start of the call, we build our own technology now, and we've got a tool called Lacuna, and that will uh, track the rankings of hundreds of thousands of keywords, and then we kind of segment those into category groups or product groups or particular sections of the website. And when you're looking at pre and post migration, you can get a very quick snapshot of is, has this section of the site been successfully migrated? Have we maintained the rankings um, for a particular section of the website? And you know you can track track those as groups, which says, okay, all of our uh, red vases have migrated, all the new URLs appear, and all the rankings are the same as what they were previously. So um, you know we, we've built that, and we kind of overlay that with you know other data that we have. And there's another one which is becoming more and more important. And again, we've, we've built a tool that kind of benchmarks this on an uh, hourly basis if we need be, and that's looking at page speed metrics. And um, so you can compare pre and post migration, especially if you're migrating e-commerce platforms. Um, and also this tool now incorporates the core web vital scores, which is kind of the new, new buzzword in SEO, whereby um, it's looking at particular metrics around how uh, a visitor interacts with a particular section or of the website and how that website loads, um, which will become really important for, I think it's launching next year at some point. Excellent. Um, so, you, I mean, we kind of touched upon the stuff that, that, that you're keeping an eye on then around the time of migration. So that tool sounds really cool, like co applying the logic content groupings into SEO monitoring post-launch. Um, what what are you to talk us through and talk our listeners through? What do you advise people doing on the day of launch and then immediately after? Like what what is the most critical thing to keep an eye on from an SEO's point of view and why? Yeah, on the day of launch, um, all of the SEO recommendations which should have been in months ago, um, so there shouldn't really be anything new to handle. The developers should know what they need to do. Uh, sysadmins should know what they need to do um, and it kind of we're more of a listening post at that point so we we kind of make sure that we have full around the clock support for about two or three days um, using people from our teams in like different locations um, that will be running manual checks um, we'll be looking at Google's index we'll be monitoring server logs um, we have our own in-house alert suite system that kind of does periodic checks, um, a bit like Pingdom does, but it checks for SEO data points like server responses, load time, make sure that we've someone hasn't uploaded a rogue 
robots.txt file, um, and it has a whole bunch of alerts and system alerts that come through. Um, the main thing that an SEO will do on the day of uh, launch is run an old server crawl. So checking, running across the old site and making sure that all of those 301s as they should be are in place. That, that is really the process, making sure that Google can crawl the old site efficiently and it's seeing the new site efficiently and that those mappings are in place. That, that's pretty much the biggest job of the day. And then you can do things like checking for basic metadata. Um, it's you know quite simplistic SEO, but making sure that no one's added a no index to a, like a category level structure. So sometimes you'll find when you've got uh, facets or, or like colors or sizes, someone might, or the system, the new platform might add a no index at a certain folder level automatically, which wasn't considered. Um, making sure things like hreflangs are in place if you're uh, running an international store. And another one that seems to be cropping up more and more uh, is misuse of canonical tags um, and making sure that you know they're all in place and where they should be. Uh, a couple of other things we do is ch check the robots.txt file. So we, we run automated checks, but we also manually check that. You know, everyone in SEO has seen a website go live where it's been blocked out and Google can't access it. You know, the Twitter is full of SEOs tweeting and images of those. And we also run a lot of human-based checks. So we look at UX across devices um, because we know that UX is important for check key category pages, key product pages. We, we look on different phones um, and different devices. And we have a monitoring dashboard for server logs. And as I mentioned earlier, server logs are the only way that you can get a real insight as to what Google is doing on your site. So things like Screaming Frog and Sitebulb will crawl a site and they'll try to emulate what Googlebot is doing whereas the server logs allow you to see exactly what it's doing. And then the last two, I guess, are kind of more client servicing is constantly feeding back to the client. Even if everything is okay, it's like, we've checked this, it's okay, we're checking that. Just to let you know, at 1 p.m. we're running more checks. Um, and one that we touched on earlier, which is kind of, I think is very key in the whole of a migration is having the experience and confidence to just say like, hold, wait, you know, the migration is going on. Do not, do not change anything. Do not change any URL structures. Do not put any meta tags in. Um, you know, one of my biggest pet hates in SEO is, is tinkering of a website. And, you know, just because something's not happening within a few days or even a few weeks doesn't mean that it's gone wrong. You know, if you've put all the correct signals in place, you've done all your processes, you've done all your checks, sometimes it's just Google being a bit slow and you need that experience and confidence to say to the development team or the product owner, please, please just hold off for now. And we've mentioned site speed a few times. Given the fact that a lot of sites have moved to mobile first indexing, how, how critical is site speed to, to getting uh, Google or an ancestor to move over to the, the, the new, say you've done a complete replatform, new URL structures, loads of redirects, and you launch and you've done all of your technical SEO well, you've got redirect maps in, you've got good site maps, you've got the canonicals set right, you're using HF, HREF Langwell, you've got really good site information architecture, but the site's a dog for speed and super slow. How much will that stop Google transferring from old to new site and your new URLs getting high visibility? Uh, very much so, really, and in particular, if you've got a, a JavaScript-heavy website, that could be a that could be an absolute blocker. We're actually working on a JavaScript-heavy website at the moment. That that has been the case where Google it's just not ranking for anything other than branded traffic. Uh, Google's just not seeing any of the content, despite um, despite it rendering. So, in terms of migration, you really don't want to go from a fast website to a slower website. Um, because as Google's been crawling your site every day, it's, you know, it's got its own expectations of what it knows is going to happen when it crawls your site. And if Google 
kind of is coming to the site, getting a slow experience and doesn't fully render or doesn't fully pass all the signals to the new site, then yeah, it will slow the migration down. Um, I would be amazed if anyone, you know, given the current situation around how important PageSpeed is, if anyone migrated to a slower platform, there's some serious issues there. It should not be happening anymore. I do think um, with some of the, I mean, there are a number of big platforms out there that are like inherently slow and they <laughs> rely on uh, a lot of third parties that just add loads of JavaScript as yeah. well. Um, yeah, it is an interesting one, but it feels like most of the platforms are currently like really pushing performance. Like Shopify is a good example of something that often can be quite slow, but they're like really pushing performance at the moment. Yeah, we we have a plan in place. So if we experience uh, a slow website during migration, we have we have a developer who jumps straight on that. And one of one of our conditions during large site migrations is that the client has their SLAs to us, whereby they dedicate resource a developer resource to us for a number of days, so that we can just jump on these. And you know, usually as as you mentioned, Paul, like it is external scripts or files that can, you know, you can quickly fix those um, or, um, you know, retune the HTML or JavaScript so that it is faster. So, yeah, it's important that the client, you know, has their SLAs to the agency and they commit that resource so that, you know, you can get things done if things don't go according to plan. Um, on that, so t- touch on both of your last two points. So a lot of the time, like if someone is moved, often I'll see a client move to a platform that's kind of natively not particularly quick. And then to speed things up, they'll start to pull things out and uh, use like Angular or React or Vue to kind of serve parts of different templates. Um, so I guess one, so you made a point there about Google still not um, being able to like kind of fully um understand javascript um and i guess like and i know it's got better but do you find that if large parts of templates potentially not just content um are powered by javascript or require javascript um are google and some of the other search engines any better than they were before uh, um yeah kind of re- yeah you know it google has obviously been pushing uh JavaScript for a long time and you know they've got people within the web team that are doing videos and you know it's clear that they are making it a priority for the index to be able to crawl crawl it efficiently and uh, index it correctly but I would never if I was building a web store I would not have large chunks of it in JavaScript it, it just slows everything down and um, it does still cause headaches from a, an indexing perspective and if you're like a a fast fashion store or you've got you know you're, you've got new lines coming constantly in and out google just won't you know you you will be there'll be a lag between you adding stuff to the site and it kind of appearing in the index or or even performing as well as it should versus a page that has a very slim line you know html fast loading google's in and out indexed understood the page um yeah i would just at this point, I would try and avoid it, but I suspect that going, you know, maybe in a couple of years, it won't be such an issue. One, um, one of the things, like I, one trend, or not trend, but one thing I did see, so with some of the SaaS platforms, some of the way you don't have access to the server, um, I've seen teams prioritize category merchandising over SEO essentially, because um, where you kind of use a third party and they need to inject the grid via JavaScript, yeah. And I've seen that uh, still have a really negative impact on SEO um, and like that start impacting the visibility of those categories and then eventually product as well. Um, so yeah, I kind of, I, I'm not in like the depths of SEO like you are obviously. And, um, but I, I have seen a negative effect of that where and like everyone seems, or a lot of people argue now that Google is so sophisticated with JavaScript that it doesn't make a difference, but I've definitely seen the opposite as well. Yeah, if you listen to a couple of, uh, I'm not going to name, name the engineers, but if you listen to their, their podcasts that they're doing at the moment, there is one Google engineer who is quite vocal and he, as soon as one of the other Google engineers mentions JavaScript, he's like, oh no, not again, no JavaScript. We don't want JavaScript. 
So it's kind of like, yeah, you know, take that as a hint that it's a, a bit of a pain in the neck for Google to understand at the moment. Yeah, well, I've got an agency I know who, who um, built an SBA on Angular, but they, they serve up um, HTML pre-rendered to search engines for that very reason, because although you can index, it's not as efficient. And yeah. I guess until, until it catches up, then you need to have, you need to at least have a solution that ticks the SEO box as well as ticking whatever your architecture is for your overall platform. Yeah, exactly. Some of the more modern frameworks seem to be like JavaScript frameworks seem to be like trying to build like static versions of pages as part of their offering as well. So it does feel like um, it's getting a bit better. But Yeah, I, I definitely like you know, single page applications, um, progressive web apps, all of that. It, it has to happen at some point. It's just at the moment, if you're, if you're launching an e-commerce store and you, you want to make money from organic search, I would, would avoid it where possible um, because, you know, you could try and give similar experience through another method and, you know, it wouldn't impact your organic acquisition because it really, you know, e-commerce sites are there to sell. And if you want traffic from Google, you need to make Google's job as easy as possible when it visits your website. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so my last question. Um, so I guess in terms of setting expectations going into a re-platforming project, and I'd imagine there's a lot of variables in this, um, particularly around like how brand heavy a site is and uh, any kind of major changes to the site. But how do you um, prioritize uh, tasks going into a launch and are there tasks that could be pushed into a fast follower, for example? So which kind of bits are a real kind of business critical and, and what are some of the ones that you think if push came to shove, you could potentially push into a phase two? Yeah, the critical one would be the, the, the clean 301 redirects for the mappings for all the priority pages um, and the revenue driving pages. That has to happen. Um, if you're if you've got a site that's been online for a long time and those that structure of that website hasn't really changed over a period of time, then you're going to want you need to have those 301 redirects in. Otherwise, you're going to send mixed signals to Google and then you're going to provide a terrible terrible user experience to the visitor if they click on an old URL that's in the index. And also, if you've say for instance you've been selling red vases. I don't, I don't know why I keep coming back to red vases, but if you're selling red vases and that page has acquired backlinks over many years through it being a great page and you do not put those redirects in, you will lose the organic performance of that page. All of the history that is built up, that would be gone. Um, so I'd say, you know, redirects are important. One key feature will, or critical point would be to have a point of contact at client side. So if something goes wrong, you know, you don't want to be chasing around the business trying to find someone responsible for making a change that you need done urgently. Um, there needs to be a project manager. You need to have dev access, instant dev access on during a migration um, and constant feedback back and forth between the client. Um, one big area that tends to it's a bit of a muddy area when it comes to migrations, but it's trying to not disrupt the existing internal linking of a site or trying to improve it. So, you know, like for instance, if you go on one of the large department stores, they'll have a mega menu across the top and, you know, all of those links are in some way or another adding value. Maybe, maybe there might be too many links, etc. but if it's working, and you've got a good internal linking structure across categories, across products, back from your uh, content marketing efforts, you want to kind of try and maintain that. Um, if you migrate to a site and really simplify your menu, um, you could notice whether that's right or wrong, because sometimes it, it is good to simplify a menu from an SEO perspective. But what will happen is uh, post-migration, if you disrupt the internal linking too much, you will see URLs bouncing around, you'll see performance change. You know, some of that might be good in the longer term, but in the short term, you're gonna cause a lot of headaches. Um, you're better off trying to maintain that internal linking um, than it was prior to the migration. 
Um, things that I guess could go amiss is, you know, if you're on a large store, large pages, large sections of the site that don't get any traffic, don't, you know, probably the, the pages possibly shouldn't even be there if they're not getting any traffic, but any page that has any form of low engagement or any form of low analytics measurements, um, you know, you could probably, it probably help the site a little bit by killing those off um, if they're not adding any value in any way whatsoever. Um, and, you know, it's a good time to, when they do any migration, it's a good time to trim the fat from a website. Um, even things like old blog content, you know how like fashion sites like to do heavy, glossy, image-based blog posts that literally drive no organic traffic ever. Um, you know, you know, you wouldn't be too bothered if they didn't get migrated efficiently because even if they get moved on to the new site, eventually Google will see them and re-index re them anyway. Cool. Excellent. I, I, I haven't got any more questions either, actually. That's, uh, that's covered all I wanted to get done today. So, Paul, was there anything else you wanted to, uh, to ask of Cole? No, I think that's really good, like really detailed. Um, yeah, lots of really good points. Yeah, I think it's nice to get the, the, the practical advice um, of somebody who, who lives this and breathes this rather than just the theory, because theory is great, but it's actually the things you learn in project mode that, that tell the difference, I think. So, Carl, appreciate you taking the time to come on and share some insights into big site migration and, and share some practical tips that people can think about when planning their own migration. So much appreciated. Great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the biggest takeaway for me from all of this would be to spend much more time on doing your migration. You will need way more months, more planning than you'll ever, ever thought you'd need. So yeah, you know, just get that planning in and you know, you should, it'll make the migration a lot smoother. And I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. No worries. And if anybody's got any more questions or wants to have a chat to you about potential projects, what's the best way to get in, co in contact with you? Uh, it would probably be on Twitter, Twitter slash Carl Hendy. Um, that's where I'm, I do spend a bit of time <laughs> talking to SEOs and uh, I try and offer a little bit of knowledge around SEO and e-commerce on there as well. And, um, you know, I'm always open to helping any SEO issues or even just random questions about search that people may have. Perfect. So at Carl Hendy on Twitter, if you want to uh, hit Carl up for some more info or if you've got a project you want to chat to him about. Excellent. Well, I'll leave you in peace. Enjoy the rest of your day, mate. Um, always a pleasure. Take care. You too. Cheers. Bye.